All right, take your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Today we start a new series, 1 Peter chapter 1. We finished our series on how to grow and hope that was an encouragement for you. Reminds you that how to grow is not something you do in five weeks. It's what you do all your life, right? And so those principles that we've studied are something we should apply weekly, uh, daily for the rest of our life, how to grow. Today we're going to start a new series, 1 Peter, Strangers. How to live right in a world gone wrong, and I hope it will be a help and encouragement to you. Our plan is to do uh, this series. We'll, I'll do. I'll preach this week and next week on, uh, from First Peter, and then the last Sunday of June, we're going to have uh, a communion service. So our afternoon service will become a communion service instead of a, a preaching service like this. It'll be a communion time for us, and then I'll pick up the series uh, in July for one week, and then. Lord willing, if, uh, if I don't have a kidney stone attack or if I don't have any other problems that I've had, I'm going on vacation for the, it's my fourth attempt in the last six months. We'll try. Have, I've made it on one day of vacation so far and I need a little bit more. So we're planning on going to Nova Scotia if we can and if the Lord will allow us to do that. And so uh, I'm not going for four weeks, but what we're going to do is have Pastor Levi do a series for four weeks in July. And so he'll preach uh, for four uh, Sundays in July a series and then we'll come back We'll be back in August. We'll be back to First Peter. We'll jump right back in. This series is just kind of jumping through the book of First Peter. We're going to skim our way through it. So it's okay to kind of skim our way through the summertime and pick up different topics. And I'll think of you when I'm in Nova Scotia. All right, hopefully I'll make it there. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter is an inspired letter written by first century pastor Peter to a first century group of believers. And so this is a real letter written to real people in a real place at a real time, and we have it as inspired scripture. We've got to understand the, the uh, process of this to understand the idea of 1 Peter. And so we'll see here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 1, we'll read quickly here to get into the, the text. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So Peter is the apostle writing to these folks. He calls them strangers. Strangers. That idea of stranger is a foreigner, someone who doesn't belong. We ha- I'm a foreigner in this country. I-, I came from the United States, so I came as a uh, landed uh, an alien, a resident alien among you. All right, I'm here, and now I've become a Canadian citizen. And uh, so we understand that here in North America, and here are people he's writing to who are not living in their hometown. They're not living in their home place of Jerusalem or, or Israel. They have been, they're strangers scattered. And they have been scattered abroad. It wasn't like a whole group, a whole church left Jerusalem and went to one other place and started the church again. They got scattered throughout. In fact, the Bible gives several places, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. These are all locations in the what would be modern-day Turkey. And so they've been scattered, strangers that are scattered, and as strangers that are scattered throughout. A diff- Imagine that today, if a bunch of us got uh, maybe... <laughs> Something happened here in St. Thomas, like the Ford plant closed down years ago, and we all lost jobs, and we all had to leave out, and everybody, and some went to North Bay, and some went to Niagara Falls, and some went here, and some went there, and, and, and Pastor Yeomans, uh, knowing that his church had been displaced, wrote a letter to everybody. We could do it by email. We could do it by text nowadays. Back then, they couldn't do that. They had a letter carried from place to place, 
And so Peter is writing to these people that he knew, that he loved as he got scattered abroad. They're strangers. They're scattered. Verse 17 says that they're sojourning. They're, they're in a place that they don't belong. And so Peter's writing to a people that are displaced and probably feel a little, feel a little bit out of place. They're all out through modern-day Turkey. And maybe you feel the same way sometimes. Maybe someday, sometimes you feel as a Bible-believing Christian, your philosophy and way of life doesn't fit in with what the rest of the world's doing. Do you feel that way sometimes? You, you probably ought to, because the rest of the world's not following the Bible. I haven't realized that. Uh, Justin Trudeau's not counseling through the Word of God, trying to make decisions for our country based upon the Word of God, is he? Doug Ford? He just won a big election here. Uh, I don't think he's counseling the Word of God to find out, hey, what can I do? How can, your boss at work likely is not saying, this is what God's Word says I should run. My boss does not. <laughs> no, just <laughs> He does. My boss does. But unlike you, probably, uh, where you work, your boss isn't saying, how can we run our company by the Word of God? You're living in a place and a time where the Word of God has less effect in your everyday life than it ever has. The Word of God has been taken out of schools years ago. It is not the authority that it used to be. Even before, years ago, the Word of God was an authority to people who, didn't, who weren't Christians. They still thought it was a moral book, and they lived by a moral code that came. So we're, in a, we're displaced. as. So maybe you feel sometimes as a Christian you're a bit out of place. Maybe you feel that some of the changes that have happened over the last couple of years has changed your Canada to a different Canada, has changed your world upside down. Things we want normal, and normal's not coming back. And maybe you feel a bit displaced. A bit, and that's why I think First Peter is a great book to study, because sometimes I feel like we live trying to live right in this world that's gone wrong. And they've called good evil and evil good, just like God said it's going to happen, so we shouldn't be surprised. But we are. Aren't you surprised by what they call good and what they call evil? We shouldn't be because the Bible says it's going to happen. And so I think this book has meaning for us today. Obviously it has meaning for us today, but even more so maybe because of where we are. So as we skim our way through First Peter, we're looking for qualities that can help us live right in a world gone wrong. We'll begin in First Peter chapter 1. We'll look at verse number 6 today. We'll start there. The Bible says this, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. There's lots in those verses to unpack. We're just going to kind of jump in on one quality today, and that quality that we're looking at today is endurance. If you want to live right in a world gone wrong, you got to show some endurance. There's some things that you'll have to endure as you go through as a child of God in this world gone wrong. The Bible here uses the word heaviness. It means sorrow or grief. Sorrow or grief. Do you feel like sometimes life is heavy? Do you ever feel the heaviness of life? I know I do. I feel like at times life is heavier than other times. And here the Bible uses the word heaviness. Though you may be in heaviness, 
The Bible uses the word temptations. The idea there is to prove or to try. It's a trial. We're talking about trials. Going through trials, going through difficult circumstances, the heaviness and the trials of this life, the Bible talks about here. Another passage, I think it's on your outline there at 42, that goes with this is 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at verse number 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange things happen unto you. Don't think it's strange that you're going through a trial. Don't think it's strange that life is heavy. Don't think it's strange that it's difficult. Don't think it's strange that you feel like you don't fit in. Don't, that's not strange. It'd be strange if you didn't feel that way. The fact that you kind of feel like, I, I'm, I'm kind of struggling here. I'm ha- going through a difficult time. That's called the Christian life. It's going to be trials. And so Peter makes it pretty clear. He says in our text here, he calls it manifold temptations. Manifold. The word manifold just means various and numerous, right? And that coincides with 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says this, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Did you notice that? The word manifold is used two times in the book of 1 Peter. Manifold trials or temptations and manifold grace. Because there's the manifold grace of God is always sufficient for the manifold trials of life. Your, your trials come in all different shapes and sizes, heavier, lighter, different. What I'm going through, you're not going through. What you're going through, I'm not going through. But there's grace for you and grace for me. There's grace for you. The manifold grace, manifold trials. Aren't you glad that God has manifold grace for your manifold trials? And, and I can't even imagine what some of you are going through. I was talking to a friend of a friend, uh, and the other friend has, he's about my age, has esophagus cancer. It's Rick Rust. Some of you know that name. I can't imagine being in my mid-50s, looking at, uh, he's already outlived the, the diagnosis, and the prognosis. I can't imagine the trial. And this friend of mine that was talking to him said, he talked about, the grace of God that he can't explain, that he never knew existed till he faced that trial. Can I tell you, based upon the word of God, that there are things in your life that you probably will never imagine, but when you get there, there's grace waiting for you. Manifold grace, manifold trials. If you're in a trial right now, I'm telling you, there's grace sufficient. If there's not, the Bible's not true. There's grace sufficient. Manifold grace, manifold trials, uh, we've, we're even studying this in James uh, a little bit. There are small groups about uh, how the idea, and, and James has written to the groups that are scattered abroad too. That's why there's some connection here. But look at real quickly here, three facts to help you endure your trials, real quickly. Three facts that will help you endure your trials. Number one, trials are temporary. Trials are temporary. He said you, you may need for a season. It's a season. It, it, oh, I just turned my music on. It's playing pictures of me. All right, perfect. How, how that happens. Where was I? We were in First Peter. Okay, Trials are temporary. Okay, a season. We all go through a season. It's coming and going. What's your favorite season? How many are summer people? You love summertime, all right? This is your season. How many are fall people? All right, I'm a fall. I like fall. <laughs> Don't even add. How many are winter people? I could tell. Uh, all right. Some of you love winter, all right? How many love springtime? All right. So you have, a diff- you have a favorite season. How many of your favorite season is 
trials. Nobody, <laughs> right? But you do have trial seasons of trials. They're coming and they're going. They're temporary. A short amount of uh, time, though it seems like a long time. That's what a season is. Winter seems very long around here to me because I don't like it. It seems very long. Is it longer than the spring? It has to be. <laughs> it just has to be. But it probably isn't. I feel that way because I don't like it. Trials seem longer than they are because we, it's difficult. Have you ever felt sick for a while? Like, I mean, physically ill, and you can't remember what it feels like to feel good? Like, I can't remember. Like, I think of myself, what does it feel like to feel good? I, I haven't felt good for two weeks. It's been two weeks I've felt sick, and I can't remember. Because in that time, you can't remember how good good feels. And so trials are temporary. They come for a season. Number two on your outline, trials are not only temporary, trials are necessary. The Bible words it this way, if need be. You need to be in a trial. It's part of your life. You need. They're necessary and they're temporary. Why are trials necessary? Can't you just skip that part? Like I remember when I signed up for... uh, Go to, go to Pensacola Christian College. I was 18 years old, and they gave me the list of classes I had to take, and English literature was on there. I thought, why do I need English literature to be a youth pastor? I didn't, <laughs> but I had to take it. It was a trial that I had to endure for a season, right? I just had to go through that, and there, I'm not sure what I learned. I, my notes in English literature was just after lunchtime, and I was handwriting the notes, and, I, and many times there was a line as I fell asleep on the page, literally fell asleep in class. Not my best effort. <laughs> not my thing, just honestly, not my thing. But there are parts of life that you have to go through and are necessary. And sometimes we look at our life that way. So why are trials necessary? Well, trials, if you honest, are part of the effects of sin. I mean, this life, you know who goes through trials? Unsaved people. <laughs> saved people. People have been saved a long time. People are newly saved. It has nothing. Trials are part of this world because of sin. This is not a perfect world. The Bible talks about the creation groaning. This, our world's under a curse of God, and there's a groaning into this world, and there's trials everywhere, saved or unsaved. This is part of life. Why are trials necessary? Well, it's just part of the effects of sin. There will be a day where those trials will pass away because this old world will pass away and all things will become new. No more sin, no more need for trial. Everything will be great. We're not there yet. We're strangers and pilgrims in a world that doesn't understand, but we can live right in a world going wrong. How do we do that? Endurance because of effects of sin. Uh, Why do we need trials? part of our growth. We, we talked about that in James. Like there, there is no growing without trials. It's part of God's growth process. Uh, it makes us like Jesus Christ. He's forming us. Someone said that uh, Michelangelo, when he sculpted the, the great sculpture of David, they asked him how he did that, right? Have you heard the story? He said, I, I, and this big block of, of, of stone. How could you do that? How could you? He said, I could always see David in the stone. I just had to chisel away the parts that didn't look like David. He said, I could always see David. He was, he's, he's a master craftsman. 
I look at it, say, a stone. See, God looks at you and he sees Jesus Christ. He's just trying to chisel away the parts that doesn't look like Jesus Christ. And guess who endured trials? If you read your Bible, it was Jesus Christ, <laughs> right? And he's a high priest that can be touched with our feelings of infirmities because he was in all points tested and tried like you are, yet without sin. And so we are like Jesus Christ as we go through trials. And I use this phrase often, and you've probably heard me say it, and I'll say it again. Trials come for reasons and seasons. It, it, it comforts me in difficult times. If I'm going through a trial, it's for a reason. It's for a season. It, it, it's going to come to pass. It's not going to come to stay. And trials come for reasons, and trials come for seasons. It's right here in the book of 1 Peter. And he's writing to these folks who are going through. They're, they're, they've been uprooted, sent away, living among people that they don't know, trying to fit into a culture that they don't know. It's, it's weird. It's strange. It, it's, it's hard on them. They're having a difficult time. And he says, hey, just endure the trial. If need be, yes, you're in heaviness right now. I, I can't change the fact that you're in heaviness right now. But it's for a season and it's for a reason. Facts about trials that will help us get through, they're, for, they're temporary, they're necessary. Lastly, trials are precious and purifying. Look at our verses again. Verse number seven, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes. The trial of your faith is pr more precious than gold. Hard to say, oh, that trial was a, that was a precious trial. Uh, we say, oh, that's a precious baby. Uh, that's a, this, this is a precious stone. These are precious to me. You know, Peter uses the word precious several times in his writings. He talks about it later in this chapter, in verse number 19, the precious blood of Christ. He uses it in 2 Peter chapter 1, the precious promises of God and the precious trials of your faith. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> the precious blood of Christ, the precious promises of God, the precious trials of life. That's part of it. In God's sight, in the word of God's perspective, trials are precious. Christ's blood is precious. The promises of God are precious. We don't look at it that way. We'll sit and rejoice all day. The blood of Christ has saved me and washed me clean. Praise the Lord. The, standing on the promises of God. Thank you for this trial. I, I'm not there yet, <laughs> oftentimes. But God says they're precious. Trials are valuable because they are purifying. Just as gold is purified by fire, our faith is purified by trials. Uh, J. Vernon McGee, a, a great commentator, said this way, there are no shortcuts to maturity. There's no shortcuts to maturity. Trials lead you to maturity. you got to go through them and how you handle them, take you the next step down the road or take you a step back. Trial and trial and trial. And, and so your life is a series of trials and overcoming and trials and overcoming and trials and overcoming. And it's a roadmap to maturity. The end result is praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, our text says. So we may not understand or appreciate our trials until we see Jesus face to face. But then it'll all be worth it. So I, I can't tell you that you'll understand every trial and what you're supposed to learn. And I, I, I can't make that guarantee and that promise. I just know the Bible says they're necessary, they're temporary, but they're also purifying and precious to the child of God. So in the end, when we get through a trial, 
we are purified, God is glorified. That's, that's how it's supposed to work. You, you get in a trial, it's difficult, it's heavy. God says it's going to be heavy. Don't, don't think it's going to be light. It's heavy. I'm not trying to tell you that, you know, get over it. It's not as heavy as you think it is. No, it's as heavy as you think it is. It's heavy, but there's a purpose. In the end, God is glorified, you are purified. That's the result. So you will need endurance to live right in a world that's gone wrong. You'll need to understand this perspective as you sit down with yourself and talk yourself through these facts in a difficult time. And maybe that's today. Maybe today you need to go home and take out your, your notes and look and say, Lord, I'm just sitting here thinking this over through because right now it's very heavy in my life and I got to understand it's necessary. And I got to understand it's temporary. And I understand that it's, it's purifying and precious to you. And I'm having a difficult time, Lord. And you walk your way through these. Why did Peter write this to people? Because he wanted them to take that letter and read it and understand it and use it to help them get through the trial that they're facing. That's why we have it today. We are strangers in this world. Trials will come. And as you go through a series, season of trials, walk yourself through these facts to help you endure the trials of life. First quality, as we, as we skim through First Peter, if you want to live right in a world gone wrong, you got to show some endurance in the time of trial or testing. Would you bow your head and close your eyes?